Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. So good to see you. Hey, can we welcome everybody that's joining us online and Jeff Jail? We love you. So grateful for you. Guys, I'm so excited about this new series we're kicking off today. We are, we're, we are preaching a series through the book of, or sorry, the chapter of Romans chapter 8, and I'm going to intro that today, and we're going to walk through every verse in Romans chapter 8 over the next eight to nine weeks. There are going to be some other um, communicators through this message because I, I really want, I, I receive so much when I preach the word and when I, I get the great honor, I get to do that every week. I want to sh- also share that with other people on staff as well. So Pastor Mark is going to share, um, Pastor Evan is going to share, and then my friend from um, San Antonio, Pastor Matt Bell from Destiny Church is going to be coming through town and he's going to be preaching through um, a portion of Romans 8 as well. But this is so important that we understand Romans chapter 8. It is, it's the, uh, many people out of all of all of the Bible and all of the gospel or all of the Bible, Romans chapter 8 is the crown jewel of the Bible because it, it embodies everything that Jesus has accomplished and it's communicated in such a succinct, powerful way. This is one of my most favorite chapters of the Bible. And I also want to encourage you over the next couple months, let's memorize this together. And I would just, you can break it up in chunks, get this in your heart, let it resonate deeply in you, let it become a part of who you are, and then at the end of it, we will have a test in church. And so anyway, that just depends. No, I really think it would really help you tremendously. And so there are certain parts of the gospel, certain parts of scripture that are so condensed with the truth, so condensed with the gospel, the gospel in all of its purity and its fullness and its simplicity, almost all of the fullness and the shape of the gospel is found in this chapter, Romans chapter eight. And why it's so important is because Romans chapter eight defines our identity. So much of Christianity, somewhere along the way, it has come to a place of behavior versus our identity. And how many, I hope you understand this, your behavior flows from your identity and who you are. So it's so important that you know who you are. It's so important that you understand God's God's identity, how he sees you. How he loves you. How he has, he has declared some things over your life. So, and that you can live from those things and you can walk them out. So this whole chapter 8, it begins with no condemnation and ends with no separation. Which is very interesting. These are the two issues, if we were to really all be honest. The two issues that we have questions about. Yes, I'm a follower of Jesus. Yes, I love him. Yes, I've given my life to him, but I still stumble, and I still fall, and I still sin. Does God condemn me because of my sin, or does he still accept me when I stumble and fall? These are real questions. And because I'm confronted with my humanness every single day of my life, Is anyone else confronted with how human, does anyone else reminded every day that you have not reached perfection level yet? Yes, every one of us. And because we're confronted so much of that humanness, here's the question, will it catch up with me when I die? And will I be separated from God? And this chapter answers those two questions for those who were in Christ Jesus The questions really in all of our hearts. The questions that we think, am I condemned? Am I going to be separated from God? Even though I'm in a relationship with God. Am I going to be separated because I'm, I'm not perfect? This passage in this chapter declares very, very clearly that if you were in Christ Jesus, you were not condemned, which means... You will never be separated from him. So as we get into chapter 8, I want to look up quick, look at quickly stepping into this chapter, leading up seven chapters, and what was Paul trying to say? 
So Paul was writing the Romans. He had never been there before. That's why the book is called Romans. He'd never been there. But he wanted Rome to be a place where the gospel, if it, if it can just take hold, it will spread to the whole of the world. Paul understood he had one life. He understood I've got one chance. And so he was very strategic. He wanted to go to the places that would give him the greatest return on his investment. And so, though he hadn't gone there yet, he was writing them, and he was trying to, he, he was wanting to strengthen the church that was made up of Jews and Gentiles, all followers of Jesus now, and he invested his time and his energy into that so he could have maximum impact with his life. Now, we can learn, a, we can actually learn a lot from that, but what I loved about Paul and all of the, the urgency in his bones as he writes the churches th scattered throughout the, uh, the Asia and in, in other areas of, of Europe, he explicitly continues to declare that he is not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's the power of God for our salvation. And the gospel, hear me today, is the only way to come into the family of God and become a child of God. It's the only way. And here's the other issue that we struggle with as humans is that your salvation is free. You did nothing to get it. And here's the other thing that's going to be challenging to you today. You do nothing to keep it. You have been saved through your faith in Christ Jesus. And if you understand your position, everything else from your life will flow from it. So Paul in chapters 1 through 3, we're going to run through them real quick. Chapters 1 through 3, Paul has shown the church and us this great need of the gospel that no one is righteous, not even one. It doesn't matter if you're Jew or Gentile, you knew of the Torah, didn't know, know of the Torah. It doesn't matter. All have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Then after Paul paints the picture of the problem, which that's a serious problem, right? In other words, we're separated from God without Jesus. Later in chapter 3, he reveals the wonderful, incredible provision of God through Jesus Christ. And that God, through Christ, that he has made a judgment towards us. And if you are in Christ, that judgment is this, that you are justified. You are righteous. Meaning because of Jesus, you are declared right in the presence of a holy God. God has made that judgment if you are in Christ Jesus. Now that's hard for us to wrap our heads around that. I once heard a, an, uh, an older minister, he had been preaching the gospel for 45 years. And you know what he said? He said, if you preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and you do not get any pushback from someone in your church, then you did not preach it correctly. Some of you, you're going to wrestle with this. Because it's hard to live by grace. It's easier to live by the law. Because at the end of the day, you can check off the list. I did this, I did this, I did this. Oh, good. Oh, good. God, I pleased you. But when you live by grace, it has nothing to do about your list on how God sees you. It has everything to do about what God has already done and made a judgment of you. And that is you are righteous. That's hard. And, but it's understanding living from that place of being righteous and justified. Then... That determines how we live our lives. So later in chapter 3, he reveals that Jesus is the answer. That we've been judged by God as righteous. In chapter 5, he gives a parallel between Adam and the first man that brought sin into the world. And Jesus, the second Adam, that brought a solution to our sin. In chapter 6, he reveals we are no longer under judgment of sin from Adam if we are in Christ Jesus. But we are in a relationship, in communion, in unity with God through Jesus Christ. Our old self has been buried with Christ and our new identity has been found as we have been raised with Christ in a brand new life. And in chapter 7, he speaks to the reality that even though we are in Christ, we continue to sin. Even though sin no longer is our master, it's a powerful force in our lives and we have to deal with it. 
Many times we forget, though, who we are. And we revert back to our old ways of old patterns, old ways of thinking. We, we identify ourselves with Adam and we, we live a life that is not what God has for us. And we think we're with Adam again. He says it this way. And see if you can, you can resonate with this. The good that we know we should do, we do not do. And the evil we know we should not do, we do. That is what Paul is talking about. And then while he's talking about this, the, the, the struggle of our flesh, the struggle of still, though we are in Christ, we still stumble and fall and sin sometimes. Then he, he declares this question. He poses a question that we're going to answer here. He says this, what a wretched man that I am and who should deliver me from this death that I face and I see every day in my, in my flesh. And this is the hanging question. It's the heart in all of us. You, you are confronted with yourself every day. Some days you have good days, bad days, good months, bad months. And the question is, does your position in Christ change as you struggle, as you are longing to be conformed to the image of Jesus? Does your position in God change when you stumble and you fall? This is the question that Paul is answering. And what I appreciate about him is he, he gets right to the point. He asks this huge question. Like, what about this wretched dude right here? What about it? And then he answers it. And so in this chapter, we're reminded about our deliverance from that question is found in God, his promises, his faithfulness, his kindness, his passion is, is found in Jesus Christ. And that, listen, if you are in Christ Jesus, you are marked by him. His fingerprint is on your life. He has a purpose for you. He has a plan for you. He has a way for you to live that will allow you to receive all that he has for you. But this is what you need to know, that because Christ has marked you, you are marked by God through Jesus Christ. This, this is the point of this whole message today. He is a God that cannot and will not let you go ever. And so today I titled this message, Not Guilty. Not Guilty. Everybody say that with me. Not Guilty. Not Guilty. So we step into Romans Eight, and we're going to take these four, four verses and walk through them. And then we'll look at the next section next week and how, from Romans 8, then the next section that we're going to look at is how do we live once we know our position in Christ. So, leading up, therefore, in other words, um, considering everything that I just said from Romans 1 to Romans 7, therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. In Christ, you are not guilty. This is so important for you to understand the work of God in your life, the work of the gospel in your life. So many times we hear this passage about there's no condemnation or this whole reality that God has judged you. And so we, sometimes in our minds, we can, we can get this picture that, that God is actually, he's, he has judgment towards you. And he's wanting to give it to you because you aren't perfect. But good thing, there's, there's, there's me no daddy God, and then there's his good son Jesus that somehow blocks God from judging us in our lives. But man, God's burning. He is ticked off. He's, he's trying to find a way to, to, to do a pivot and to spin around Jesus so he can get you because he's got judgments towards you. That's what we think. But just so you're aware, it was God's idea to send his son to the cross so that you can be reconciled to him. And so we need to understand 
That we see, we, a lot of times we think there's a negative judgment towards you if you are in Christ Jesus. Now, without Christ, yes. But with Christ, no. But according to this passage, actually God has placed a judgment on you. He has placed the judgment on you. And this is the judgment that God has placed on you for your sins, for your shortcomings. This is it. Not guilty. That's the judgment. He made it. The phrase of this no condemnation actually means to judge down. In other words, we had a charge against us as sinners separated from God. God has judged that charge down. No, they're not guilty. Because we are in Christ Jesus. And in Christ there is no negative judgment from God and no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lean in and just give you three points about what does it mean to be in Christ. Because we talk a lot about what, what we have access to in Christ. I want to talk about what we are not in Christ. Number one, in Christ I am not condemned for my sin. Our identities, please hear me today, is so important because we live from what we believe our identity is. So important. So the enemy of our soul is constantly telling us that, that something that we're not. Constantly telling us you're, you're bad, you're this, you're, you're filthy. And here's the serious thing about that. And this is why our, the, our minds are so important. And we actually, we're going to deal with that as we get through Romans 8. But he, if he convinces you, now listen to me, that you are worthless, you will start acting like you're worthless. If, if he convinces, convinces you that you are a failure, you're going to start acting like a failure. It's just your identity. It just flows from who you are. Well, I'm a failure, therefore I must live a failure's life. If he can convince you that you are a lost cause and a sinner, that you're going to start acting like a lost cause and a sinner. But if you believe what God says you are, if you believe what God has judged you as righteous and not guilty, you will start acting out in your life like you are righteous and you are not guilty. Therefore, your life will bring glory and honor to God. If, he, and if God, if you believe this statement, you are a saint, guess what? You start acting like one. You're an overcomer. You are loved. You are a child of God. All those identities come from foundational identity. And this is a statement of your identity. We have it today. And this, God has declared me righteous. God has declared me righteous. Now, this is hard for us to understand because we are reminded every day that we aren't, don't always do righteous things or right things, right? What I'm sharing with you today is foundational in our Christian walk. And I would be willing to bet that many of you are going to struggle with this. But what about, what about, what about me? What, what about what I can do? What about my discipline? What about me? Listen, we're talking about living from your identity. Not, not trying to get your behavior to give you your identity. No, no, your identity gives you your behavior. It's very, very important. It's important to understand that God has, de has declared over your life, you are righteous in Christ Jesus. That's hard. But righteous, hear me today, is your position. Righteous means you are of right standing in, in the presence of a holy God. You are righteous because you are in Christ Jesus. And so this is this whole idea. Paul, all throughout the scripture, says this in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ, in Christ. He constantly uses it because... He wanted to remind the readers and you and I today that that, from that understanding, flows everything about your life. It's us, the fundamental foundation of being a Christian, covered by him, surrounded by Jesus, immersed in Jesus. That is who you are. That's when God sees you. That's who he sees. He sees his son, Jesus. That's what it means to be in Christ. That's why 
Philippians 3 says this, and it talks about uh, his own righteousness. This is Paul. I am found in him, meaning Jesus, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, that comes from my behavior, that comes from me doing check, checking off the list, that comes from the, the Torah. I don't have a righteousness of my own, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Your righteousness is not based on your behavior. Your righteousness is based on your faith in Jesus Christ. And as you do that, then other things align with your belief and your identity. This is foundational. So many times we get, we get so caught up in behavior, 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 behavior. When really, we need, to, we need to understand identity, 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 identity. Who are you? And live from that reality. What this means is when you and I put our faith in Jesus and we turn from our sins and we repent and we become Christians, God looks at us as in Christ Jesus. He no longer looks at us as unrighteous sinners. Instead, he looks at us through the filter of the righteousness of Jesus Christ. And although I'm not a perfect person, and although no one is a perfect person, God points his finger at me. And if you are born again, he points his finger and says, righteous, righteous. When God looks at you, he sees his son, he sees his daughter, and he says, you're righteous. He sees you like he sees his son, Jesus Christ. It's like Noah in the ark. So many of you know the story. God told Noah to build a big ark because he was going to send judgment to the earth. He was going to send judgment to the earth. We know there is judgment that's going to come for mankind because of our choices to go away from God. He's going to send judgment. And the only way to escape my judgment, Noah, is for you to get in the ark. So they brought all the animals and they got in the ark. And the Bible says that God welcomed Noah and his family into the ark. And the Bible says God shut them in. It doesn't say Noah shut them in. God shut them in. They were safe in the ark and they were not touched by the judgment of God. And when you and I become followers of Jesus, we are in Christ just as these people were in the ark and they were saved from the judgment of the floods, we are saved from the judgment of God. You are not condemned for your sin because Jesus has taken that condemnation on himself. And when you repent and come to him, you are in Christ, free from the judgment of God. It's, it's this identity piece. Listen, I, I've, I've been in, my wife and I have been in ministry for 20 years. And many Christians walk around with eternal insecurity versus eternal security. Many, many, many Christians have this belief that if I stumble and fall, so, so let's first start. Yes, I'm saved. I'm in God's family. I'm, I'm in the family. And then I stumble and I fall. And we're much like what Paul said he was. The things that I know I should do, I don't do. The things I don't, I know I shouldn't do, but I do. But when we do them, when we, when we do sin, when we do make those mistakes that aren't living up to who we are, many people think they go from God's family to now not in God's family, like that. And so, oh gosh, I better repent so I can get back into God's family. And then they have a, a really difficult day or they stumble or they do sin or they fall into a temptation and then they say, well, now I'm not saved anymore. Oh gosh, I gotta give, oh, now I, now I am saved because I, I, I repented. And we have this idea that we go from being in, in God's family, out of God's family, in God's family, out of God's family. Once you are in God's family, once your heart truly wants to live your life for Him, and you repent, and you lay your life at the cross of Jesus Christ, and you take upon God's identity for your life, you are a part of God's family forever. You are eternally secure. And it's so important, though, that you understand this reality. Now, anytime I, I preach on the gospel, I know someone's going to, oh, you just gave people a license to sin. No, 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 no. That's not what's happening. The grace of God, once you understand it, 
is not given to you so you can stay in your sin. The grace of God, when you understand it properly, is to give you the power and the understanding to get out of your sin. But it's important you understand who you are in Christ Jesus. It's positional. Number two of the I am nots. I am not, according to this passage, enslaved to sin. Before you gave your life to Jesus, sin was not an act. It was not something you did. It was truly something you were enslaved by. It owned you. You were a slave to sin. You could not not sin. But now in Christ, the scripture says there is nothing that can force you to sin anymore. You're not in, it's not your identity. Remember before, the scripture says you were, you were in Adam. You were part of Adam's sin. Therefore, you've had no choice but to sin. But in Christ, in Christ, you were no longer enslaved by sin. Because Romans 8.2 says this, Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life set me free from the law of sin and death. So what's this law of sin and death? Before you came to Christ... You were under a law that had you strangled, had you held. You were bound by sin. You had no choice. You were wrapped in it. You were bound in it. It was, it was your life. That's what you did. This was the law of sin and death. Now, now remember, this is the law you were under before. Okay? So you didn't have a choice. And because you were one with sin, then we know because of the, 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 the wages of sin is death, because of that then you deserve death. Scripture says the soul that sins, it shall die. The, the, that's the law of sin and death. There is no other conclusion if you are not in Jesus Christ. And there's no other conclusion of living your life perfect because no man has ever done that except for one, and that was Jesus. So you have to be in the one who is perfect so that you can receive the next law. Step underneath the next law, which is of the Spirit. Romans 6.23 says the wages of sin is death. That's the law of sin and death. You were, you were strangled by it. But now that you are in Christ Jesus, now that you, you, have been, you have been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ, now that he has blotted away your sins of the past, you are declared righteous and you are not enslaved and you are no longer subject to death. You are eternally secure. Because of Jesus, we are now under the law of the Spirit. The Spirit, Paul's talking here, is this breath. It's a, it's a word that's breath. It's, it's a pneuma. It's, it's this idea that, that God has breathed new life into you. It has regenerated you. It has transformed your heart. It has it's changed your spirit. And when God created Adam and Eve in the garden, remember? It says he formed him with the dust of the earth and he breathed on him. It's the same word there that Paul uses, that you have this, the, the life of the Spirit. So for you, that is the new law you're operating under now in Christ. That's the law of the Spirit. God has brought you under a new law. Now hear me. So listen, why am I teaching this? Why? Because you need to know where you stand with God. You need to know which law you're under. And once you get that, it will affect how you live your life. God has brought you under a new law. Yes, we need to be honest, as Paul was in chapter 7. At times we battle with that old law of sin that wants to, wants to get at us and wants to draw us back in. But you are not under that law anymore. You're not under the law of sin and death. You're under the law of the Spirit. When you sin, your identity doesn't change from saint to sinner. You're still a saint because you are in Christ Jesus. You need to understand that. But we are not under the law of sin and death anymore. And when you stumble and when you sin, listen to me, you are not condemned for that sin because you are in Christ Jesus. Are you convicted? Yes. Are you condemned? No. But then as you fix your eyes on Jesus... And what he's done, you understand the law, the new law that you're under, which is the spirit. And your identity is in Christ. And you come to him and you give your life to him, fresh and anew again. 
You begin to move forward, get up, and step into a new relationship with God, a fresh relationship. You've never left his family, but there is a journey there. And you need to understand, though, you're not condemned, but you are convicted. And as we stumble, and when we sin, we think God stands over us, and he condemns us, and he points his finger at us. And we think God turns his back on us, us, but in reality, God through the Spirit And God, through the reality of you are in Christ Jesus, says, son, daughter, now listen to me for a second. You're not acting like the person that you are. Your identity is rooted in God and Jesus Christ. Son, daughter, you're not acting like the person that you are. You're not acting like yourself. So then he helps us get up. He helps us keep going. He helps us see the areas we need to change and shift and, and, and re, realign some things. But we keep moving forward and we keep overcoming and we keep living because your identity has never changed since you've stepped into the family of God. There are, there are promises. There are ways of living. Scripture is clear that if you sow seeds to the flesh, you'll reap of the flesh. If you sow of the Spirit, you'll reap of the Spirit. Yes, but you are not condemned if you are in Christ Jesus. This is mind-boggling and mind-blowing and challenges. Maybe a lot of theologies that, that we've grown up under that me personally, I grew up under. That I, I served an angry God. I served a God that, that once I got saved, if I wasn't perfect, I wasn't saved, then I had to repent to get saved again. You know, I, listen, that's the reason. I hear stories all the time, because I used to do it, of people, man, every time there's an altar call, they just come to it, because just in case I'm not saved, i got to make sure I'm, I'm there again. God doesn't want you to live in this sense of, I don't know if I'm in the family. Can you imagine one of your own kids living in the, in the, in the home and, and being like, Dad, am I your son? Well, yes, you're my son. Okay, all right. Dad, I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't, oh, shoot, Dad, I didn't, I didn't clean out the, the dishwasher. Are you going to kick me out of your family? No, son, but you need to go do it anyway. Oh, okay. okay. Like, like, think about that. You are in the family of God. You belong. That's where you are. You are in Christ Jesus. Now you need to understand that and live from that place. Number three, in Christ, I am not charged with my sins. When you are arrested, this is what the police officer says. He says, you're under arrest, and here's the charge. He tells you why. So look at what the scripture says in Romans 8. It says this. For what the law was powerless to do because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us. The law required something from you. The, the, uh, the standard of God, which is the law, of God required something from you. You know what it was? Perfection. But you aren't perfect. And you stood guilty as charged. We were way short of living perfectly and God sent Jesus to take our place. Christ came in the likeness of sinful flesh. The likeness. He wasn't sinful. He lived a perfect life. So Jesus was tempted in every way that you've been tempted. Not all, the, all of the unique details, but he was tempted in the type of temptation that every single one of you and myself was tempted. He experienced that exact same type, but he never gave in. He was sinless, and he was the only one who ever met the requirement of the law. Jesus met the requirement, which was perfect. And Jesus was like, done, got it. Perfect. It was fulfilled in him. So that's why it's important you understand. You may not be perfect, but if you are in Christ, he is, you are clothed in his righteousness. What that means is this. When God sees you, he doesn't see your sin. He sees Jesus who lived the perfect life. And the, and the law of the standard of God that was unreachable, unlivable, you could never meet it. Jesus met it by living the perfect life. Therefore, in the presence of God, he says you are not guilty. You are not condemned. These are powerful 
These are the foundational things of the gospel. Precious, powerful, significant truths of the gospel. Well, I want to circle back really quick as we close this out. Because the gospel is very practical in every day of our lives. We need to, we need to apply it to every day of our lives. I know there's, there is a, it's very, very tempting to live a life of legalism. Depending on how you were brought up, depending on, um, on what you believe about who you are in Christ Jesus. If, if you believe that you have to earn your salvation, then usually what happens is um, because you feel like you're earning it, you, you want to make sure everyone else has to earn it as well, and you become cranky. Anybody ever met any cranky Christians? You're like, man, if I wasn't a Christian and you told me you, you were one, I would never want to be one. That's just the reality. But this idea of living in grace, living in the, out of the outflow of who God sees you, helps you pray differently, helps you see yourself differently, helps you encounter God's word differently, helps you live differently. And when you stumble and fall, you are not condemned in that sin. You are, you are convicted, but your position doesn't change because God has already made a judgment over your life, and that is you are righteous. And when God makes a judgment, he doesn't retract it. So we live in a world that is really full of condemnation. And condemnation is our go-to as humans. It's our go-to in marriages. It's our go-to in families. It's our go-to in church. That without even knowing all the details, we will condemn somebody. We will assume we know their intentions. And we condemn. We're looking for, this, for, we're looking for the point to go, ha, gotcha. And those who are the most gotcha condemning are those who are living under condemnation themselves. They're, they're, they're deflecting what they feel about themselves. So condemnation is a method of Satan to destroy you, to accuse you, to keep you low and empty, and to keep you from moving on with your life and the grace and the goodness of God. We live in a world that's waiting to do that to you because the world system is ran by the, by the devil, just so you know. And so they want to keep you low. The world wants to keep you low. The enemy wants to keep you low with the narrative that they that they want to speak over your life so that you feel less about yourself, intimidated, afraid to speak, afraid to share your beliefs. So there is now, but as a believer, listen, as a believer, there is now no condemnation for those who, in, who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus came out of John 3. It says this, for God, did not, for God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. So Jesus came in the opposite spirit of the world. So he did not come to condemn, but to save. So he came in the opposite spirit of the flesh, of the world, of the, of the demonic system that, that is ruling the world today. He did not come to condemn. Romans 8, 1 again. Therefore, if you are in Christ, he came to save you. Therefore, there is no condemnation because Jesus didn't come to condemn. And therefore, if you are in Christ, you cannot be condemned. So, I'm going to give you some practical things. There's no condemnation. Number one, when we sin. When we stumble and we sin as a Christian, your position in Christ doesn't change. This is fundamental. It's hard to wrap your head around it. Because everything that we do, yeah, but I get this because I did this. Yeah, but I get this benefit because I did this and I checked the box off. But your position doesn't change. When you do the things, see if this sounds familiar, when you do the thing you're not to do, the heaviness of failure comes on your life. The reminder of your shortcomings, the tailspin of worthlessness and darkness, maybe even the same sin that you keep struggling and stumbling over. Condemnation begins to tell you everything you're not. Why is condemnation such a powerful tool? Because it can, it, it, convinces you that you're something that you're not. And once it, it gets you to believe that you're something that you're not, you begin living like you're something that you're not. And condemnation's filthy hand holds you down beneath the waters of guilt and shame 
and wants to rob you of the life that God has for you. So how do you answer those condemning thoughts and those voices when you stumble and when you fall? You answer that by the word of God that if you are in Christ, therefore, there is no condemnation over my life. I reject you in the name of Jesus. God's declaration over you is still you are not condemned. It's still you are righteous. Knowing this propels you, knowing your identity propels you to run to God in your, in your moments of struggle, to run to God as you feel his conviction and to allow him to cleanse you and allows you to keep going. Because condemnation, though, is different than conviction. Condemnation is based on facts, not feelings. Excuse me, reverse. Condemnation is built on feelings, not facts. But I just feel this way. Well, I, I don't know if you feel, it's not true. Because actually facts matter, okay? The Bible matters. So condemnation is built on feelings, not facts. Condemnation claims to know the intentions of your heart without ever having a conversation. Condemnation demands your penance, that you pay for whatever you did wrong. And then it sets the terms, and then after you pay, you're still guilty. It wasn't enough. Condemnation's purpose is to make you feel worthless and devalued. Causes you to, to, to be confused about who you are. Condemnation wants you to feel shameful, fearful, and intimidated. Condemnation stands and declares you guilty, condemned, regardless of the truth. Condemnation brings death and destruction, but conviction from God reveals our problem and sin and then offers a solution as we come to him. Conviction from God shows us our great need for God and our great need to make some changes while making us feel incredibly valued and loved. Conviction from God brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. Conviction of God is about propelling you to your potential in Christ Jesus, not defining you by the mistakes of your past. How many are grateful for Jesus Christ? Amen. Therefore, there is no condemnation, not only when we sin, but also in marriage problems. Listen, many people live underneath condemnation. A marriage split up. Some people carry around the rest of their life the scarlet letter of D, divorced. And they think, I just, I'm just condemned because that happened. And I'm condemned because this happened. Listen, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You need to step out of that. You need to receive the restoration of God. Hold your head high. Be a child. Be a son. Be a daughter of God. And you walk from your identity. Also, in marriage, when you feel exhausted, when you feel disappointed, when you're wronged in your marriage and you think, I can't forgive, I can't love them anymore, I've failed, they've failed, the hate creeps in. What, what, what is the answer that you give to a, a toxic relationship that you don't know how you got here? The answer is you remember Romans 8, 1, that God does not condemn you. And as God has shown mercy to you and not condemned you, you and Christ are able to extend mercy. It's able to unlock something in your own life to extend grace to your spouse, to receive healing from God, and by the grace of God, make room for God to heal and to restore that marriage. There is now no condemnation. Number three, in suffering. There's no condemnation in suffering. When you go through suffering, pain, closed doors, relational pain, anxiety, depression, physical pain, sickness, you start to think, now, now listen to me, it, I, know, I know a lot of us do this. We start to think, God is punishing me. That's what's going on. God's mad at me. I'm under condemnation from God. That's why this is happening. It makes sense for illegalists to think that. But it doesn't make sense for a believer who knows Romans chapter 8 that says, hang on a second, hang on a second. No, 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 no. God said, I am not condemned because I'm in Christ Jesus. Wait a minute, I'm not under the condemnation of God. I am in Christ and he's declared me not condemned. I am forgiven. I don't know why I'm suffering, but it's not because God's condemning me. It's because he is for me, not against me. And I'm going to walk in that identity, not this other side that says I'm condemned, which God said you are not condemned. 
Another one, there's no condemnation when others try to condemn me. This is very difficult. We're living in a, in a time when the spirit of condemnation is rampant on the earth. Another word for probably condemnation or how it looks, it's, it's called the cancel culture. If you make a mistake, condemned, canceled. If you don't see things exactly the way that I see them, condemned, canceled. If you believe the truth of the Bible about sexuality, race, personal responsibility, the depravity of mankind, about marriage, condemned, canceled. You need to understand this term that I just mentioned, depravity of mankind is very important for you to understand. What this means is that every human being born into this earth is born with a depraved nature, the depravity of mankind. And you can't put a Band-Aid on the, on the depravity of mankind. You can only apply the gospel because mankind stays absolutely corrupt unless they allow Jesus to transform them, regenerate them, and make them into a new creation. Every, you will have sin running rampant on the earth until, until you as an individual are saved in your own life. You need to know that. Also, people condemn you when you make mistakes and others want to keep you down, constantly reminding you of your failures, of your shortcomings, of your sins, of your past. Listen to me, friend. According to the Bible, how do you answer those feelings? Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Know your position. And the last one, there is no condemnation for now and forever. You are in Christ and you are free from the condemnation. You're free. You are not condemned. You are saved and you are judged as not guilty and righteous. That is the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so in Christ, we are eternally secure. We are internally free from the control of sin. And we are positionally righteous now and forever. You need to understand your position and your place with God. And from that understanding flows gratitude, it flows an understanding of who you are. It flows an understanding of, of God's grace to you. Therefore, you can extend it to someone else. You need to know something. You are in Christ. He has judged you righteous. He has judged you my son, my daughter. You belong to him. That's why Jesus said, he said, it was praying to God. He said, those that you have put in my hand, it's important to know that no one can pluck them from my hand. No one can pluck them from my hand because God's judgment over your life has already been made. So let me pray for you today as we allow God to minister to us just for a minute. God, I know that there are many people in this room that this is hard for them to understand. It's hard for them to wrap their minds around it because they've been viewing it through their human filter. But God, today, I pray that you would Remind those who have stumbled and sinned that their identity is not condemned. It's not sinner. They are saints. They're just not acting like they are, like, there's, like their identity. God, today I pray that in that incredible truth that they would arise and begin run, running the race you have for them, that they would come to you. God, I pray today for those who have, have had a feeling, God, that you are mad at them, you're against them, that you are condemning them, and why is God doing this to me, and why does he not like me, and what did I do wrong? God, today, may they walk away with the understanding your declaration over their life is not condemned. God, I ask you today that those who are in this room who need to be set free from legalism, and the spirit of performance would step from that place into the spirit of life, the spirit of peace, the spirit of not in my own behaviors so that I could boast. But I will only boast 
in Jesus Christ. Lord, we ask you to minister to us today, to heal us, to heal our marriages, to heal our lives, to heal our hearts, and for us to lift our heads and know that we are called of you, we're a part of your family, and God, give us the grace to live like that. Just remain with your heads bowed for a moment. If you're here today and you would say, and you know that you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never repented of your sins, and you want to be in Christ Jesus today, and you want to be forgiven, nobody's looking around. If you want to give your life to Jesus today, I want you just to raise your hand and say, that's me. Just hold it up right now so I can see your hand. God bless you. Thank you. Anyone? God bless you. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you. you put your hands down. Thank you. God bless you. If you raised your hand or if you didn't and you truly want to give your life to Jesus and become a follower of him, we're going to pray a prayer with you. If you're joining us online, you can pray this as well. And the Bible says if you pray it and really mean it with your heart and believe it, that you will be saved and you will go from being a subject of God's judgment to being in Christ free and judged is not guilty. If you want to pray this and you want to give your life, let's all pray together. Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for raising from the dead so that I could live. Today I give you my life. I give you my identity. Heal my heart. Forgive me of my sins. And make me a new creation. In Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Come on, let's give God a hand today. Amen. If you gave your life to Jesus today, um, just do me a really, really just quick favor. Text SAVED to the number on the screen. If you'll just text SAVED to that number, we'll get you the information that you need for us to help you on the journey. Let's all stand to our feet. How many are grateful for God today? I'm so thankful for Him. So good. If you can, just lift your hands to receive from the Lord today. I want to, it's my honor to bless you today. So God, I pray that every person whose heart is open to receive your blessing, I pray right now that you would bless them. God, that you would open doors for them. God, that you would remove any barriers in their life that's keeping them from being what you've called them to be. God, I pray that you would bless marriages in, in this house and joining online in the name of Jesus, that you would bring increase to intimacy, joy. God, I pray for those who are desiring God to be married. God, I pray that you would bless them relationally and open up doors, bring the right person to their lives. God, I pray that you would bring, bring an open door provision for every family that's represented in Faith Bible Chapel, that you would bless them beyond measure, that you would do things that only you can get the credit for. So God, I bless them today. Encourage them. Let them leave here today with a fresh understanding of their position. And may they live their life from that position as a child of God. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.